0: Romans 6 and verse 12, I would like to remind you that the sermons that recorded, the audio can be found on sermon audio or on any podcast player that you might use, and also the video can be found on the Facebook page, church uh, church Facebook page, we upload it every week, Um, and also I would like to mention, we got these in the mail, the sermon series I've been preaching is actually this little booklet. Victory, a seven-step strategy for resisting temptation and overcoming sin. And so uh, the audio files are found on your podcast player. The booklet is right here. They're um, about $8 or so, uh, 6 dollars US. They don't have the Canadian price in the back, but it's about $8 or so. Uh, they'll be right there on the back table. Um, this is a tool. This is a weapon right for you to be able to use and have it with you um i've really learned a lot myself from this particular study and i hope it's been a blessing to you and so the last installment of this particular sermon series is yield to the spirit we'll read these few verses And then we'll get right into this last truth the Lord has for us. Romans 6 and verse number 12 through 14. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin but yield yourselves unto God. There's our word. You see it several times here in verse 13. Yield. Let's start again. Verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not Have dominion over you for ye are not under the law but under grace let's pray together father I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you bless now as your word is being preached I pray that you would speak to every person in their heart it is so easy to come to the place where we think either that we can do this in our own power or that we can never do anything and you call us to live according to your power i pray that you would help me now as i preach in jesus name i pray amen i heard a silly story sometimes silly stories help us understand spiritual truth this this story was given at a conference by a pastor And one of the unfortunate things about kiddos who grow up in pastor's homes is oftentimes they provide really good sermon illustrations. And this is the case of this story. This didn't happen to my son, but it was another pastor who told a story about his son. As little boys do, they love to do whatever their dad is doing. And so the father got up on a Saturday morning and he was going to mow the grass. He was going to mow the lawn. And so he brought out the weed trimmer, this big gas-powered weed trimmer. The little six-year-old boy's like, Dad, can I do that? Can I help? No, son, you can't do that. This piece of equipment's too big. You'll hurt yourself. You can't use it. He puts it back, brings out the lawnmower. Cranks it, Dad, can I help you do that? Can I do that? No, son, this lawnmower's too big. You can't do that. But after he gets done, there's all these grass clippings all over the driveway And all over the sidewalk and so the little boy says dad can i help can i help the dad says actually you can help and he goes out and gets an electric blower so he plugs up the electric blower shows the little boy how to use it and he says i want you to blow all the grass off of the driveway and off of the sidewalk the dad goes back into the garage and starts putting some things away expecting to hear the electric blower come to life and the little boy blowing the grass off the driveway and off of the sidewalk. Instead, he hears nothing. Very curious. Comes back from out of the garage, looks over to see his six-year-old son down on his hands and knees using his mouth to try to blow the grass clippings. (laughs) 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 He's like, son, why don't you just use the blower? Didn't quite understand. Guys, if we're honest, oftentimes the Christian life can seem like we're trying to do this huge job of acting right and doing right Being the right kind of mother, the right kind of father, the right kind of husband, the right kind of wife, the right kind of son or daughter, the right kind of student, the right kind of pastor, the right kind of teacher, and so on and so forth. And it can seem as overwhelming as God giving us a task to do. And it's like, I can't do this. The secret is God has given us his Holy Spirit he has given us his power the truth is that oftentimes we try to obey God in the power of our old nature in the power of our flesh let's briefly look at our verses here In Romans 6 and verse number 12, let's jump back up to verse number one. Now, my, when, I, when I look at verses, I'm always inclined to go back a little bit and find out what is this talking about, right? Uh, we can get a lot of strength from one verse, but we can get a lot of strength by understanding why that verse Is put right there. In that part of the Bible. Right. So the Apostle Paul. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Is writing to the Christians. That are at Rome. Can we agree that there were a lot. Of temptations. In the Roman culture. Pretty much back then. Anything was okay. It was a very. Uh, violent culture, very violent culture. Any culture where you could go to the Coliseum, a local. We went to the Col- We went to the Coca Cola Col. They didn't have the Coca Cola Coliseum back then. We went to the Coca Cola Coliseum last night and watched hockey. And yes, it was a little violent, right? As a lot of sports are. But imagine going to the local Coliseum and the event for the night was people literally being killed. Slaves, prisoners, for the sake of entertainment. They would bring, they would, they would capture wild animals found all over the Roman Empire. Lions and tigers and bears and all types. They would have camels, they would have like angry, uh, anything large and big and they would have them out there. And they would have them, sometimes they would fight and spar with them and sometimes they would just keep them very hungry and they would go out there and they would just for entertainment they would kill. We need to understand that when we read the New Testament, this is talking about a culture that was very violent and very, very lustful. And not to go into any kind of a detail, but back then you pretty much did whatever you wanted with whomever. And there were also plenty of slaves. It was, it was not a genteel Victorian type of. Culture. We have to understand that these people came from a sinful background. They were saved out from these behaviors. Dishonesty, violence, lust, anything that you can possibly think of was going on back there. They heard the message of the cross, they came to Jesus. They were saved. And the Apostle Paul is teaching them and telling them, you don't have to live based on your old behaviors and your old habits and your old thoughts. You have been given a new nature. And so we start in verse one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. The answer is. To temptation is not to just simply give in. Well, I'm going to heaven anyway. Some people would argue that. Scripture is very clear. Once you become a Christian, once you get saved, you're saved forever. Christ died once. We must accept him and be born again one time. We don't get saved through baptism We don't get saved through sinning, repenting, sinning, repenting, sinning, repenting, sinning, repenting, and keeping up this impossible process of coming to God and asking him for forgiveness. No, we are saved once. He died for the sins of the whole world, and we accept him one time. And that process or that moment is called not a process. That moment is called being born again of the spirit of God. So the answer to temptation whether it's anger or lust or violence or dishonesty or whatever it may be a bad attitude some people just walk around and they, their attitude is just sour just just caustic right skeptical just a bad attitude they've never been happy a day in their life they've never allowed the lord to teach them to have the joy I'm not talking about weird disney things right <laughs> they're just walking around giggling all the time that's not that's not bible christianity okay but neither is it bible christianity for us to walk around all the time with just a bad attitude so the answer to temptation is not just to give up and say well grace is going to abound we're saved by grace i'm not saved by works anyway so Just, you know, whatever. God loves me. And by the way, there are some churches that go so far as to say that. There are churches nowadays, they call them extreme or radical grace churches. You can find a radical grace church. Not biblical. Do whatever. God loves you anyway. Let's just praise the Lord. Excuse me. What do they do with these verses here? What do they do with them? Guys, we have to be so cautious. We need such wisdom nowadays. There's so many false teachings out there. Look, look, to just give in to sin is not the answer. It will not bring peace. It will will separate you from God, not not that you'll lose your salvation and now you're on your way to hell. It will separate you from God from your relationship with the Lord. You will grieve the spirit of God. The Bible says very specifically... And uh, if I can find the verses in my notes, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, he is the one that gives the joy. He is the one that gives the peace. He's the one that brings the long suffering. He's the one that brings the temperance, which means the self-control. He's the one that grows these things inside of us. It's not me saying, I'm going to obey you and have self-control. I can do that. No, that's the little boy blowing the grass yielding to the spirit and saying, you want me to have self-control in this moment and, and not to look there and not to think and not to say and not to do what am I going to do? How do I remain victorious over sin? Well, by the Holy spirit of God, he can empower us to be vigilant against sin, to see sin is going to come into my life and to see it before it happens. he, The Holy Spirit is the one that helps me to imagine the consequences. The Holy Spirit is the one that reminds me to cry out to God in that moment of temptation. The devil loves nothing more than for you to be tempted by sin and for you to be overwhelmed with it and to think, there's nothing I can do. I had to do it. I had to do it. But when we yield to the Spirit, when our heart is soft towards the Lord, He can remind us and say, you need to ask me for help in this moment. You need to ask me for help in this moment to cry out to God. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us power to take our thought, to take thoughts captive, to not just. There's so many people that think, well, when the thought comes into my mind, there's just nothing I can do about it. That's because of my background, and that's because of that's who I am, or that's my psyche. That that's the way my psyche works, or you know that's that's my blah 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 blah. But God teaches us to take thoughts captive. I can't do that on my own. I can't remain vigilant enough to take my thoughts captive. It's the Holy Spirit inside of me that gives me that power and that ability to do that. He reminds me, whoa, don't let that thought that that la la. Don't let that thought just sit there. He's the one that gives me the power to observe the omnipresence of God, to remind me that God is there watching and listening. He's the one that gives me the power to run from sin because let's be honest, we don't naturally want to run from sin. We want to give into it. We want to give into it. We want to do the lustful thing. We want to do the angry thing. We want to just back out and not do the right thing. Retreat into timidity, right? And be scared and don't do the right thing. Whatever it may be, it all comes down to yielding to the Spirit. To yielding to the Spirit. I'd like to remind us a little bit of this particular process that we learned a little bit earlier. I think this is so powerful. This little process is so powerful. Our behavior starts with a thought. And by the Holy Spirit, we can allow our thoughts to be influenced by his word. That's why we spend time with God every day. And that's why we pray is to cleanse our thoughts, to take those thoughts captive. I can't do that by myself. My thoughts are not automatically pure and right simply because I'm saved. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse number five. We preached a sermon on this during this uh, series. Casting down imaginations, images. Listen, images. Images counsel our soul. You saw something. It's shocking. Sometimes people really struggle with sexual addiction because they saw something they probably didn't want to see, maybe from a young age. Or maybe they were curious and they jumped into something. There is nothing that will torment a man more than pornography. There's fewer things that will torment him more than that. Because it has the highest degree of promised pleasure, but then at the same time, the lowest degree of fulfillment. And that's why pornography is so rampant right now. It's available, it's everywhere. But it's the highest degree of promise flattery, pride. It appeals to your pride, makes you feel like you're incredible here's this beautiful girl taking all her clothes off for me. But it's not really her. It's just an image. And the problem with looking at that stuff is that it gets in your brain and it doesn't go away. Guys, it doesn't go away. But then you're tortured because it was a fun time. If there wasn't pleasure in it, it nobody would do it. So then they go back for more. But here's the problem. The way addiction works, you need more of it in order for you to achieve the same degree of high, the same degree of euphoria, the same degree of excitement. That's why someone who starts with a little baby tiny bit of drugs once in a while, they like the feeling. What do they do? Well, they do more of it. And they get more and more and more and more and more. And now they get into harder things. That's why someone who takes a couple of sips of beer and they like the feeling, eventually gets into the more beer and more beer and more, and then harder liquor, harder liquor, harder liquor. And then they combine all these things. And now we have fentanyl and drugs, and we've got all of these crazy drinks. They've got this big thing going on in the States where they've got these college students trying to hydrate themselves with these big things. And it's just like, and and I don't know all the, I wanna feel, I wanna feel this incredible feeling, but what, at what cost my friend? What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? God fixes our feelings by fixing our thoughts. We have to learn to think differently about that temptation. Yes, it feels good when you release all of that pent up anger on somebody. But what afterwards? You've totally lost yourself. You've lost your self-control, your dignity. People look at you different when you do that. Trust is is broken. That person doesn't have self-control. The temptation to not speak a word for the Lord when you know you should. You retreat back into shyness. I'm just naturally shy. God's bigger than whatever you naturally are. God's bigger than that. And so when we're talking about living according to yielding to the spirit, what are we talking about? Listen, are we talking about yielding to a desire or yielding to a feeling? Is the Holy Spirit a feeling? Or is he a person? He's a person. How do we know when it's the Holy Spirit that's impressing on our heart to do something? Or to say something, or to reject something. How do we know when it's the Holy Spirit? We always know it's the Holy Spirit because it always agrees with God's Word. The Holy Spirit will never tell me to do something that goes against what's right here. The most, listen, the most manipulated Christians are the ones who do not read their Bible. And still try to be spiritual. I've got this feeling. It's telling me not to go to church. It's telling me to go to live with that person that I really love because love is everything. All things people have told me, by the way, who claim to be spiritual Christians. That's not true. Oh, that's just your opinion. Well, it might be, except there's like 10 verses that say the opposite. That's not the Holy Spirit telling you that. Whatever in your mind that's giving you a fuzzy feeling about that particular decision might be trying to tell you that it's the Holy Spirit, but you know what? The devil's a liar. You know, the devil will lie to us and tell us he's the Holy Spirit how do we know? Oh, this is all just so scary. I'm just, I'm just, it's so complicated. I can't do this. And they run screaming from the church never to come back. And he says, oh, oh, so it's, it's better to live blind. It's better to just live in ignorance. No, no. Hey guys, look, don't be overwhelmed. God's given us his word. He's given us the power because when we got saved, the Holy Spirit dwells with inside of us. We have the spirit of Christ. The answer is not just to yield. It's not just to say, whatever, it's fine. No. The answer is to yield to the Holy Spirit. How do we know it's the Holy Spirit? Because it's God's Word, it's the same, it's in agreement with God's Word. When we got saved, we were baptized into Christ meaning we are completely immersed in him, meaning this, we have all of him and he has all of us. But the fact is, is that oftentimes we don't always recognize that. So that's why we find ourselves in verse number 11, in Romans 6 and verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 11 is talking about yielding. Or reckoning, sorry is talking about reckoning. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a Christian or do you see yourself as just kind of mostly that older that old person, that old person I used to be before I was saved? God says we need to reckon ourselves, we need to account ourselves as being dead unto sin. Jesus when he died on the cross and died for our sin, when he rose from the dead, he was dead to sin, meaning he could no longer be tempted by sin, and he has given us that same power. So when that temptation is telling you, you have to do this, we need to realize that biblically, we're dead to that sin. We have the power to not do that sin. This is what we in in Christianity often talk about, that Jesus Christ broke the chains of sin in the life of the Christian on the cross. Because he is the son of God, because he died for our sins, he took all of the penalty on our sin, uh, for our sin, and he rose again from the dead. He basically took the power from sin away from Satan. And so now when we as Christians are tempted by sin, the power is gone. We, meaning we don't have to do that. We can change. The simple illustration is if, if, if there is a war and someone is used to living in great fear, they're used to living in caves, they're used to running around the streets. I mean, you look at the way people act in a war zone. Imagine if all of a sudden Toronto was a war zone or if we came from a war zone. You don't just walk down the street in a war zone. You don't just walk to the store. How do you act in a war zone? Very cautious. Very cautious. You go out at night. You're peeking around corners. You're scurrying from cover to cover. You keep your family. And guys, that's the way we were before we were saved. We acted a certain way before we were saved. We were wide open to temptations. The only power we had was our own self-discipline. And sometimes it worked, but most of the time it did not. Wide open. But when we accepted Christ as our Savior... He won the victory. So imagine somebody in Toronto that's now they've been, they've, they've, they've gotten on the plane. They came through the airport. They've got, their, they've got their immigration papers and now they're living in Toronto. And all of a sudden you're going, you're walking down the street and you see somebody. What are you doing? You're in Canada, bro. You're safe. You're no longer in the war zone. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. And there's so many of us as Christians, we fall to temptation. We basically give up trying to live the Christian life because our mind is still really thinking about things the same way that we used to think about things before we got saved. Or if you were saved at a young age and you haven't grown in your knowledge of God's word, we can just think the way everybody else thinks about things. Oh, For example, let's go back to the pornography thing. We have a lot of young men in the room, so this is on purpose, right? Hey, Amen. helping them out, guys. Prepare them, help them. Well, I mean, it's natural. Everybody does it, it's no big deal. Well, then how come you feel the way you feel when you do it? When you look, when you indulge? How come there's shame when you get caught? How come there's shame in the world when they get caught? How come there's, how come there's, how come there's the great feelings of high and the great feelings of, of low? couple that with a couple of bad days and maybe a mild addiction somewhere and you're on your way to being suicidal my friend I know of a man right now right now thankfully recovering in a good place in a Christian addiction center because of pornography held a pistol in his hand twice on the same day hopeless hopeless doesn't have to be hopeless. Quit running for cover and acting like you have no power over that. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ has washed you clean from that. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to have to have that outburst of anger. Quit telling yourself you have to. Well, there's nothing I can do. That's just my personality. The blood of Christ is stronger than your personality. Is that true or not? Yes. You say, well, give me proof. You realize that some, some of the disciples were called the sons of thunder. And when somebody didn't let, when they didn't, the when the Samaritans, one particular village of the Samaritans didn't let Jesus come into their village, what did they say? Ha! Man, they were about to go Marvel Comics on them is what they were about to do. You say, what's that? Jesus, let's call down thunder. Man, Old Testament. Let's, let's pray and call down, call down thunder and fire from heaven and consume the village. Apostles. One of the apostles' name was John. You know what he was known later as? As he grew in grace, the apostle of love. Listen, whatever your old self has identified you as, God can help you by his grace grow you past that. And it's not through your own self-effort. It's not through your own self-discipline. It's by letting him work in your life. One verse and we'll be done. A quick illustration, Mark chapter four. We're looking at the word yield, yield, yield. What does it mean to yield? Mark chapter four. Well, if you drive a car, hopefully you know what it means to yield. It doesn't mean to go faster. You see the little yield sign, the little triangle sign. Or if you're coming up on a stoplight, usually yield means yellow. In Toronto, it means hurry up. It shouldn't mean. That's not the same (laughs) thing. That'll give you a nice little ticket, by the way, with those cameras they have. Yield. If you see a yield sign, we have one in the new neighborhood we moved in. Little triangle yield sign. doesn't mean stop. It means be cautious, slow down, look yield it means if someone else is coming up you should let them go right yield it's it's you're not you're not you're not coming up to the yield sign as i'm going to win this one or no, you're probably going to get in an accident right be cautious be cautious Mark four, this is the parable of the four types of ground. Jesus told this parable. And let's begin in verse 14. Now, Jesus tells the parable very briefly to the big crowd. But in 14, verse 14, he explains the deeper meaning to a smaller group. So we're going to look at the explanation. That Jesus gives. And we're gonna look at which type of ground yielded to the Spirit. Verse 14. The sower soweth the word, right? So again, he's 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 giving a farming illustration, something they would easily understand in that time period. And they would sow by hand, right? They'd have a little sack of grain. And they would take it out and they would take it out by the hand and they would just sow it. They would throw it out onto onto the ground. And by the way, that's where we're talking about in Romans 6. It says yield to the spirit, right? Yield to the spirit. And then in Mark chapter 4, here we're talking about the sower soweth the word. The word and the spirit, those go hand in hand. It's not the same thing, but they work together. They work together. The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside when the when the word is sown. Wayside meaning right by the side of the pathway, right. So this is kind of like the pathway, or right by the the side of the pathway. And so he's sowing the the, the seed close to the to the, to the um, dirt pathway, right next to the field. These are the these are they by the wayside when where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their, what's the word? Hearts. So God's word is supposed to take root in our heart, not in the actual vessel, right? Not in the actual organ of the heart, but really this is talking about our, our mind, our psyche. That's what it's talking about, okay? So the word of God is supposed to change our Thoughts. But look, if it just kind of sits on top of our thoughts and we barely think about it, what happens? Does it, does, does it change our life at all? Does it help us? Does it help us with the temptation if we read the Bible and it just kind of sits on top? You guys know, we've all done it. We read it, but we're not really reading it. We hear a sermon, but we're not really hearing it. It's just kind of surface listening, right? Kinda, hey, Like those announcements when you're on the bus or on the train. Stand back from the yellow line. There's a train approaching. Yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah, whatever. Right? Can you repeat it word for word? If there's a special announcement, you guys ever had a special announcement? we were walking to the GO train last night to go to the hockey game. There's an announcement when there wasn't supposed to be one there's a special announcement. I can't remember exactly what they said, but it's like, Braden even asked me because we were walking. He's like, um, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to make sure I get this. Is the train ever going to come again? That's what I want to know. Right? Is it Has it left us high and dry? Right? I'm just leaning in. This guy right here, the first one, when, when, when it comes to God's word, they're not leaning in at all. It's just kind of like bounce, bounce, bouncing off, bouncing off, bouncing off. Listen, in this guy, there is no, Hope of God's word making a difference in his life. None. There's no hope whatsoever. It's like us taking seed and sowing it on this, on this ground right here. That's silly. The next one 16. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, oh, look at this. They're excited, they're emotional. They've heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They're happy. Oh, pastor, that sermon. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you for the encouragement. Look, some people expect to have victory over temptation simply by trying to remain excited about God's word. That is not how we grow in the Christian life. We, listen... We do not grow based off of our excitement. We can hear exciting sermons and exciting lessons. And we can hear, going back to my little YouTube tangent that I always talk about. Sometimes YouTube teachings can be very exciting, but they're not the truth. Or they're so shallow. It's like, oh, it's, it's intent was to make us excited. This guy... He's not getting victory over temptation. Why? Because he's just, he's thinking, well, if if I'm not excited by it, then then I'm not gonna hold on to it. Verse 17, have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. And afterward, oh, here we go. When affliction or persecution, meaning temptation, ariseth for the word's sake immediately, they are offended, meaning they, they, they quit. They're excited when they first hear the truth, but then the temptation comes and what happens? They give up. What's the problem, pastor? Well, they're only, listen, they're only receiving the word of God on an emotional level. They're only, it's only an emotional level. Two more types. 18. These are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the word and the cares of this world cares meaning kind of the the sad things and the deceitfulness of riches ooh the happy things and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and becometh unfruitful why do i keep having why do i keep following to that temptation well Maybe because you're holding on to the word of God until something else comes along. You're not protecting it. You guys ever planted a garden? You ever planted a garden and you, you, you put the little fence around it and sometimes netting and, and you're very cautious and you're very careful. You have to protect it. Sometimes we never get victory over temptation because we don't protect what we hear. We're not careful with it. And here's the last one, the good ground. These are they, verse 20, which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. Bring forth fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. How to have victory over temptation? Yield to the spirit, meaning your heart is like that good ground. I'm ready to receive God's word and I want for it to change me. Day one, when you go out and sow the seed on good ground, there's not really any difference. Day 30, there's a difference. Day 45 and day 60, there's a huge difference. Look at those plants. Look at those tomatoes. Look at those jalapenos. Amen. Huh? Look at those cucumbers. Look at those melons. Whatever your favorite fruit is or vegetable. Look at that. Look at the growth. There, listen... The answer to the temptation is growth. But we decide with a soft heart that is willing to let God have his way as we hear his word and as his spirit works in our heart. Everybody bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.